Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Friday, September 10th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Big game on Saturday when Missouri visits Kentucky in an SEC East showdown. The teams aren't ranked. The Wildcats got some votes in the polls and Missouri some in the coaches poll, but there's so much interesting about this game that matches teams that won their openers last weekend and are vying to become challengers to the division top dogs, Georgia and Florida. Saturday's winner won't be the division favorite, and the loser's not out of the race, but there's a statement to be made in this game. Missouri had lost five straight to the Wildcats until last year when they dominated the contest. Kentucky has a new offensive coordinator and quarterback, and the offense looked terrific in last week's victory over Louisiana Monroe. Mizzou had a tougher time putting away Central Michigan, but got 203 rushing yards from Tyler Batty and enough defensive pressure in the second half to put the game away. Kentucky's about a six-point favorite, and this should be a great test for both teams. On today's show, John Clay, the lead sports columnist for the Lexington Herald-Leader and host of the John Clay podcast, joins me in exploring the game and breaking down the matchup. After a break, you'll hear from Missouri coach Eli Drinkwitz from his weekly news conference with reporters. I thought he had an interesting response when asked about the importance of the game. So let's get started with my conversation with John Clay. John, the first thing I want to talk about is with this Kentucky-Missouri game coming up on Saturday is kind of what the schools feel about their football programs and, and where they are. And that's what kind of intrigues me about this game is that it just based on victories over the last four or five years and success, they're they're kind of, they're pretty evenly matched. And um, I don't know if Kentucky fans feel like they should have a better program than Missouri, but I think Missouri fans feel like they should have a better program than Kentucky. <laughs> but the results haven't you know haven't suggested that. No, I, yeah, I would say yeah. I mean, when you look at it, they're pretty even. Uh, Kentucky had won five in a row over Missouri until they got it handed to them last year in Columbia. Uh, you know, they've made significant strides under Mark Stoops. Uh, Kentucky has been to five straight bowl games, won their last three bowl games. They haven't been able to challenge the top two teams, Georgia and Florida. They did beat Florida once uh, during the Stoops era down in Gainesville a couple of years ago. But by and large, they've had their trouble with them. But Right now, it looks like Kentucky and Missouri are those two. With Tennessee being down, it looks like Kentucky and Missouri are those two teams who, you know, we want to be at least third and we want to be able to challenge Georgia and Florida. And now the question is, which, you know, which puts their nose in front right now, Kentucky or Missouri? Right. Um, and South Carolina starting over with a new coach as well. Right. So, you know, I, I think both programs feel like they're they're ahead of the, the Gamecocks. Um, well, that's what uh, sort of amplifies the game on Saturday, uh, a week two showdown against teams that aren't ranked. But I, I think people around college football understand what a big game this is. And it's for the reasons you just explained that uh, the winner in the moment can think of itself as the, the primary challenger to Georgia and Florida at the top. The loser will have some ground to make up. Not impossible, but uh, a little more difficult, that's for sure. Both teams won last weekend, right? Kentucky, Missouri. Kentucky impressively over Louisiana Monroe. And I read your column and read what you, you've written about that game. And I, I think there are reasons to be pretty satisfied and impressed with what Kentucky did. But you have to qualify it with uh, just kind of what Louisiana Monroe was bringing to Lexington last week. 
Yeah, Louisiana Monroe, new coach, a new new old coach in Terry Bowden, 65-year-old Terry Bowden. Rich Rodriguez is his offensive coordinator. They had a 26-year-old defensive coordinator who came off the staff at Clemson, um, 62 new players. So, yeah, you've got to put it in that context. But with all that said, you know, the big story here is that Mark Stoops fired his op- longtime offensive coordinator and friend, Eddie Grant, after last season because he wanted a more balanced attack. Eddie was successful, but it was basically a run-first attack that, uh, like I mentioned, didn't fare too well against the big boys. So he brought in Liam Cohen, the assistant coach with the Los Angeles Rams, to run a more of a pro-style offense. And what you saw in that first game against ULM was a pro-style offense. Will Levis, Penn State transfer, quarterback, strong-arm guy. The knock on him was he was uh, inconsistent with the intermediate and short passes, but he's got a strong arm, and they threw the deep ball and threw it well against ULM. They, and Chris Rodriguez, their bell cow running back, ran for 125 yards. Wondell Robinson, a transfer from Nebraska, had a big game. They did everything you wanted them to do in the first game against an inferior opponent. Now the challenge comes, can they do that against an SEC opponent this week? Yeah, ran up 564 total yards. Um, Liam Cohen, an interesting hire who you know worked with Jared Goff with the Rams and obviously worked on the offensive side of the ball while he was with the Rams. At least his first year, he uh, he went up against Missouri's defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes, who was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. Then I kind of like the symmetry here of a Missouri defense being shaped with an NFL background coach against a Kentucky offense that has the, the NFL experience as well. That should be, you know, just an interesting little sidelight to, to this game. Yeah, we asked, we asked Liam about that on Tuesday. Yeah, he mentioned that he talked about the two games that uh, when Steve Wilkes was the head coach of the Arizona Cardinals, they played against the Rams. But the game he really talked about was in 2019 when Wilkes was defensive coordinator with the Cleveland Browns. And the Rams were coming off a Super Bowl. They went into Cleveland. They were behind six to three at the half. They won the game 20 to 13. But he said Wilkes threw a lot of defensive wrinkles at him. He played a similar defense that the Patriots have played in the Super Bowl. And Liam said that he's expecting those kind of wrinkles Saturday from Steve Wilkes. It was funny because Liam said he's really looking forward to this game, not only because it'll be his first SEC game as a play caller, but going against somebody like Steve Wilkes, a guy that he knows. I don't know that he knows him personally, but he obviously you know knows about him through their NFL matchups, and he says he has a ton of respect for it. They play a really aggressive defense that's going to make you win some one-on-one battles. He said he's looking forward to the challenge of play calling against a defensive play caller like Steve Wilkes. One of the things I found interesting with Missouri's win over Central Michigan last week was probably a little closer than uh, fans expected. Missouri was a 14-point favorite, ended up winning by, by 10 never was really comfortable in, in the game in the second half. But but what happened was interesting. I always look at in-game adjustments, and Missouri's defense actually pinned its ears back and brought a lot of pressure in the second half and, and changed the nature of the game that way, disguised its splits as well. Had one player, uh, Blaze Aldridge, a linebacker, a transfer from Rice, who ended up with three and a half sacks and six tackles for loss. All of his sacks came in the second half. Um, Missouri really dialed it up after the break and changed the flow of the game that way. Kentucky and Central Michigan, I think, are two different animals. And, um, and, and Kentucky's offensive line with their two tackles, pretty formidable challenge for Missouri. Tell, tell me a little, little bit about uh, the Wildcats' offensive line. Well, yeah, they got uh, Darian Kennard, who you mentioned, is a preseason All-American right tackle. 
he decided to not put himself in the draft last year and to come back for this year. And part of the reason we thought he was coming back was they were going to move him to left tackle, which, of course, is the money tackle in the NFL. But then they got Dare Rosenthal, a transfer from LSU over the summer, uh, a really good-looking prospect who ran into some off-the-field problems at LSU. Uh, Stoops took him at Kentucky. He impressed right out of the gate uh, at camp at Kentucky, so they decided to move Kennard back to right tackle and have Dare Rosenthal at left tackle. Of course, as they say, and you you know this better than I do, Blair, uh, right tackle is becoming very important in the NFL as well. Liam Cohen pointed out the Rams' right tackle when he was in Los Angeles just signed a huge you know multi-year contract, so you can make some good money on the right side as well. Uh, the other interesting thing about the uh, offensive line, they moved Luke Fortner, who's a super senior. They moved him from offensive guard to center to take Drake Jackson's place. And he was really the glue that held the line together the last two or three years. Fortner's first game at center last week. Uh, he was co-offensive lineman of the week in the SEC. So they've got some veteran guys up front to go with some young guys. But it'll be interesting to see how Dare Rosenthal develops as the season goes on because they feel like he's another NFL prospect as well. Hey, we didn't talk enough about about Will Levis. Tell us more about him. And the guy, again, he put up big numbers and looked pretty accurate and had some zip on the ball on Saturday. You want to know something besides his banana eating, eating the brown bananas with the peels on, which uh, he viral video he had in preseason. Yeah, you know, the funny thing about Will Levis was he, he was more of a running quarterback at Penn State. And he, he only started one game there, but he played, I think, in 15 games. But he was kind of brought in in running situations but he has a strong arm. Cohen, when he, Liam was offensive coordinator at Maine, he recruited uh, Will Levis, although he says that was a couple of phone calls and it became evident pretty early on that you know he was probably better than going to Maine. Uh, the big question, like I mentioned earlier, was you know his accuracy. He does have a strong arm. The, his first pass on Saturday, he threw a little bit behind and a little bit too hot for Josh Ali. The receiver bounced off the shoulder pads. ULM got an interception right off the bat, but then he came back through back-to-back touchdowns on long passes, um, you know, working with him on his mechanics. He did a lot of work on that over the summer. You know, they feel like he's got a lot of potential. They feel like with Liam Cohen coaching him, he can work on those intermediate and short balls. I expect Saturday that Wilkes is going to take that deep ball away from him and make him prove he can make those tight window throws. Uh, so it'll be a it'll be a good test for Will Levis. Missouri had two interceptions against uh, Central Michigan. Missouri had four in 10 games last year. So <laughs> it's funny. It was a mixed bag for the Tigers. They had the nine sacks, most in a game since 2000, uh, 13 tackles for loss, two interceptions, and yet gave up 475 total yards, including right at 300 in the first half. So there is plenty to work on for, for Missouri. And Eli Drinkwitz, the head coach, said this week that there is no way Missouri can take that performance on the road in the SEC and expect a, a victory on Saturday. I think he's right about that. The six-point favorite, is that what the, did I see? Yeah, I've seen five or six, yeah, somewhere around there. That seems right to me. A touchdown or so favorite for uh, Kentucky. What do you think happened? And, and what do you think happens with Kentucky this season? You know, the the, the thing about this game is, and Mark Stoops brought it up on Monday, he felt like that his team was not prepared to play at Missouri. Really, that was probably one of the more disappointing losses Mark's had since he's been here. They were coming off a 34-7 win over Tennessee in Knoxville. There were some extenuating circumstances. John Schlarman, UK's offensive line coach, that was the first game where he was not on the sidelines. He passed away shortly after that from cancer. 
but overall, they just didn't feel like that they played very well. They thought Missouri just out physical them. They were prepared to play where Kentucky wasn't. And Mark vowed on Monday that's not going to happen again. So if Missouri wins on Saturday, I don't think it'll be because Kentucky took them lightly or Kentucky's flat. I think Kentucky has a chance to have a good season, but this game, like you mentioned, is pivotal. If Kentucky can win this game, they got a good chance of being 4 0 when Florida comes in. It's funny, their schedule's kind of divided up into three sections. They've got four games, so they're probably going to be favored in. Then they've got at least three. They play Florida, LSU, and Georgia. Georgia on the road. They get a week off, then they go to Mississippi State. If they can get through those three games and be in fairly decent shape, they get a chance to close strong. But Missouri's huge because, as you mentioned earlier, whoever loses this game is going to be trying to make up ground the rest of the season. Doesn't mean they can't do it. Doesn't mean they can't have a good season. But their chances of having a really memorable season they're going to be a lot tougher if they lose this game on Saturday. For sure. Big swing game in, in week two in, in the SEC East. And, John, I can't have a conversation with you without bringing up hoops. Kentucky got a got a big old commitment just a few days ago. Shaden, am I pronouncing his first name right? Right, Shaden Sharp. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like a kind of a do-it-all sort of player and and the top prospect. Uh, what, what does Coach Cal have in Shaden Sharp? The interesting thing about Shaden Sharp is he comes out of the same program that produced Shea Gilgus Alexander, uh, you know, a Canadian kid who came to Kentucky and was considered a good recruit when they got him. But I think he was maybe a guy that people thought, okay, here's a guy who's probably going to stay a couple of years, at least maybe three years. And then we all see what happened with Gilgus Alexander turned into a really good player. They're hoping the same thing for Shaden Sharp. The interesting thing about this player is after last season, after that disastrous nine and 16 season, Cal shook up his staff. He brought back Orlando Antigua, who had been on the staff before, and Chin Coleman, kind of a package deal from Illinois, has come in. And the recruiting has really picked up. They got a chance to have a really good class. There's a couple of guys, Derek Lively and Chris Livingston, that they're in on. Uh, there's another guy out of Texas that they have a really good chance of getting. You know, it's tough to say considering some of Cal's earlier classes. They kind of hit a lull there in recruiting, but it looks like it's picking back up again. So, uh, and getting Shaden Sharp to go along uh, with Scott Clark, who they have earlier for that class, you know, is a really good start for Kentucky in basketball recruiting, which is, of course, what everybody cares about here, Blair. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, nobody knows UK athletics more than John Clay. I really appreciate it, John, and uh, we will talk to you again soon. Thanks for having me on, Blair. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. 
please visit kansascity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. I mean, obviously we rushed for 200 yards, which was good, but uh, we had too many negative plays. Um, and, we, you know, we can't allow frontside penetration on some of our zone schemes and, and some of our double teams. Um, so I think for all of us, it's a concerted effort to eliminate negative plays, which put us in third and longs. Um, and then, you know, when you go on the road, it, it's a trench football game. And, and if you got any shot at winning football games in the SEC, you've got to win in the line of scrimmage, especially on the road. You got to be able to run the ball when you want to, uh, not when you have to. And so, um, you know, we, we got a, a big challenge ahead of us on that. Eli, what about your, your defense on Saturday? It obviously picked up in the second half, first half. What concerned you? Any red flag tackling or anything like that? I mean, there's a lot of red flags. Um, I think it starts with tackling. Um, our tackling was was very poor. Um, I think we had some eye discipline issues. Um, you know, guys in man to man who you know let their guys cut loose that may not have shown up on tape, but it's going to show up if we don't fix it. You know, we had some some loose coverage, supposed to be inside technique. We were lined up outside, supposed to be outside technique, lined up inside. Um, so so things like that that have to get corrected that result in explosive plays. I think overall from Saturday, I think the biggest disappointment was tackling and explosive plays. I think the most uh, exciting thing was the the sacks, the pressure on the quarterback, and the turnovers. Um, but it can't be Jekyll and Hyde. Uh, otherwise, against a team like what we're fixing to play, that scoreboard's going to light up real quick. I think Makai Wingo led, led all the defensive tackles a number of snaps. Was that the idea going in, or did, you see, did it just kind of unfold that way? Did you see something out of him? I think he's done a really good job of staying in shape, and obviously bigger guys – uh, tend to lose their wind a little bit faster, and he's more of a, uh, a sudden uh, young man. And I think, you know, he was playing really well. So um, you got to keep with you stick with the guys that are performing, um, and he performed really well. And he's going to continue to to get opportunities as he seizes the opportunities in front of him. Eli, you mentioned September 11th, and you might have told this story last year, but do you remember where you were September 11, 2001, and you remember that day? Yeah, I was in Arkansas Tech University. I was in a um, physical science classroom auditorium, and uh, a professor walked in uh, maybe a couple minutes late, told us what had happened, and canceled class, and uh, walked back to my dorm, watched coverage. I actually had my car was in the shop in Little Rock and had to drive. Uh, somebody took me to Little Rock to pick up my car, and I remember the gas lines, you know, and the gas stations were really long. And man, it was a it was a scary day, scary day. You know, every game is important, obviously, but Kentucky and Missouri, whoever won this game, has always finished higher than the other one. Just that makes sense. Yeah, but the, relative to this division, where your programs are, just how big is this game? They're all big. I mean, they're all big. Um, you know, I, obviously last year was a big game for us uh, because we hadn't beaten them in five years. And I think getting that uh, off of our chest. Coach Stoops has been there for 10 years, 10 years, recruited at a really high level and developed his players. Um, so to try to make a comparison, us and them right now, I think is a little bit soon. I think we – got to control who we are we got to do what we need to do go on the road um 
I mean, I don't think anybody's season ends after week two, regardless of how it plays out. I think it's a big test for us uh, on who we want to be and how we want to perform and what what we want to do on the road, which we didn't play particularly well last year on the road. I think we had one road win. So I think for us, it's more about a test to see how much we've grown and developed. I don't look at it as whether where Kentucky's program versus Missouri's program is. Uh, I think that's making it probably a little bit too big. Um, I think it's a big test for us on the road uh, to play in front of an SEC crowd early in the season. And we're going to find out all kinds of issues that we got to get fixed. We're going to find out how much improvement we made from week one. Regardless, if you win, uh, you're 1-0 you're in SEC with seven to go. And if you don't, um, I, you know, I don't, I don't remember, but, I, but most of the time the East winners aren't undefeated. Coach, what kind of improvement from week one to week two would you like to see from Connor Bates' learning specifically? Uh, third downs. Can you elaborate a little bit more on, on what exactly on third downs? Like? We got to throw completions. Yeah, I mean, we were one for two for 12 on third down conversions. So we got to be much better on third downs. And that's that's me, that's him, that's everybody. But uh, that was really the only thing I was concerned with. Talk about transfers and you got some great performances from guys who came out from three to five schools. Um, is this kind of the, the, the way of the future that smaller programs are going to be uh, recruiting pipelines for larger programs and that's the way it's going to move going forward? I, don't, I can't speak to probably what the future is going to be. I, I'm worried about Kentucky here coming up. And, and um, I mean, they have transfers that aren't from smaller schools that are big-time players from them. So. I don't know. I don't think anybody can predict what the transfer portal is or isn't going to be. I think we're all just kind of reacting to it instead of trying to figure out the trends. Better than our first chance to see Mookie Cooper. Yeah. Uniform. How important is it just to try to get the ball in his hands a few times a game? I mean, it's important for us to get the ball to, to whoever the play is designed to, to get the ball and, and to execute. Um, I mean, Mookie is a is, is a got great speed and, and dynamic playmaker, but um, the play doesn't care who makes it. So whether it's Mookie's design play or if it's not, um, we just got to go execute. I think that was the first time he's played a game in three years, and obviously he was limited in practice. I mean, was there, was there some, some, I don't know if it's nerves or rust or, or anything for him that you saw on Saturday? Um, I didn't see any rust. Um, I think there was one jet towards the end when the ball came out and went out of bounds. But other than that, I mean, I thought he did a nice job of, you know, avoid tackles and, and secure the football and, and uh, wish we'd have got him more space, wish he'd have made a different cut on one of them. But I didn't have any concerns. I don't think he did either. My biggest concern was that he felt comfortable on his from his injury, which I think he did. Getting new wide receivers, Bear Banner has been a guy who's been here, I believe, five years now. Just what's been your overall impression of him and his better leadership? Yeah, I mean, absolutely exactly what you said. Veteran leader who's consistent in his approach and whatever task we assign him, he's uh, a master of those details and, and executes it at a high level. Um, plays to his strengths, plays to our team's strengths, and uh, somebody that we're very fortunate to have on our team. Coach, in regards to COVID-19 restrictions, how does the road game this year compare to maybe how it was last year? Well, we got fans, you know, and I think they're calling for a sellout, so we got to work noise, um, and, and that's totally different. You know, last year you could you could yell out on the field, and make 
play call adjustments, you know, um, this year. I don't think we'll have the ability to do that. Um, obviously, the, the, the planes, trains, and automobiles is a little bit different. Of course, we've got a little bit of a snafu because of the Columbia Airport being under construction right now. So we're having to change our travel a lot relative to what it's been. So that's going to be interesting to see how we uh, adjust to that adversity. Um, but other than that, I think it would still be the same. I and mean, we'll still wear masks and do the things that we need to do to protect ourselves and those around us. Sorry, I don't know how much detail you want to give, but do you need to change times or do you have to leave from somewhere else? Or? Yeah, we got to leave from somewhere else. Yeah, most of us, half the team or, or half the travel party's got to go out of St. Louis. Some of us got to go out of Columbia. Potentially none of us can fly back into Columbia depending on the weather and the weight limit on the plane. That'll do it for today and this week on Sportsbeat KC. Thanks to our production staff of Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. Big thanks to John Clay of the Lexington Herald-Leader for joining us and talking Mizzou, Kentucky. We're going to link to his podcast in the show notes. Hey, we have another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month, unless you cancel. Great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs as they open the season on Sunday with a visit from the Cleveland Browns. The Royals, who finished off the, the series with Baltimore with a victory on Thursday night. Colleges, soccer teams, all of that. How do you get it? You go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. And also, I wanted to call your attention to something new. Maybe you know about the Stars E-Edition. That's a replica of the printed newspaper on your screen that comes with your digital subscription. Well, now there's an updated sports section produced separately that goes along with it. When you open the E-Edition, there's a box in the upper right-hand corner Click on that and you can access a sports page that includes the evening news like Royals results and all the baseball games. However you get the star, I want to thank you because you're supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports BKC. Thanks for listening and we'll be back on Monday with a full account of the Chiefs opener against the Cleveland Browns. Look forward to talking to you then.